Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses or your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. It's a brand new year prom party. I gotta be honest with ya. I hadn't planned on starting this year on such a bummer note. Why would you consider this a bummer? Uh, this is supposed to be fun. Uh, this was uh, your idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I own that. You have regrets? Uh, God, I just... <laughs> Starting the new year with this much cynicism, not maybe not the best idea, but we did it, we're here, we're recording, let's do an episode. <laughs> Hi friends, if somehow you magically managed to not see the title of what we're talking about this week, we are starting off the new year with not another teen movie. Yeah, I guess we are. <laughs> so, Harmony, since this was your idea, why did you want to start off the year with this? Um, I don't know. It just seemed like a, a good capsulation of a lot of movies we've covered and a few that we're going to still cover down the road. Mm-hmm. And I have actually seen the movies that this is parroting now. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe this would be a fun thing to revisit or at least interesting. <laughs> Interesting is a flexible term. And this is a movie that you had seen prior to recording for the show, correct? Quite a bit. Okay. Uh, Not in at least 15 years. But this is something that made the rotation on Comedy Central, so you've seen this before. Yeah, there's there were some things like the (laughs) N-word. That were cut out, I hope? That were cut out of the TV edit of this, and I was not prepared for (laughs) the white cheerleaders to be dropping that, or the literal, like, tsunami of human shit. Yeah. So, (laughs) there there were some startling first-time viewings of this movie that I've seen several times. (laughs) Well, let's, uh... (laughs) let's dive into this so yes not another teen movie this is a parody film in the same vein as scary movie what scary movie did for horror movies they were clearly trying to do with teen movies at this time period yes and i was shocked to find out this is not by the scary movie guys correct this This is, is this is not by jason friedberg and aaron seltzer who are responsible for some of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. Like epic movie? Epic movie, disaster movie, date movie, just all of the movie movies, Mm -hmm. barring like a few of the scary movies. Right, right. Yeah, so not another teen movie gets lumped in with all of those movies, but this is from an entirely different team. It's a team of writers and a director that are known more so for music videos, concert movies, and live event production, like a lot of award shows. They've done a lot of the MTV movie award scripts. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of what they do, I guess. It's like, hey, we write about movies in a silly way. Right. We make entertainment out of other people's entertainment. I can absolutely see also why they would be the guys that people would go after for this because Mm -hmm. that's kind of what you're already doing when you're doing something like the MTV Movie Awards. Oh, yeah. Like how you have to write the opening monologues that are basically like 10-minute sets for whoever is hosting to shit on whatever was cool that year. Like Plus skits. Yeah, like this definitely fits in that wheelhouse. And this movie came out in 2001, which is two years after 
arguably the the peak of teen girl cinema, which mm-hmm. is the the entire year of 1999. Yes, which this is based on m- most heavily like she's all that varsity blues, 10 things i hate about you, cruel intentions. Cruel intentions, all movies from that year. Yeah. So in in my thinking, this is what i think happened is i think scary movie made an ass load of money. Oh, yeah, like $300 million? Yes, in 1999. Yeah. And they went, huh, you know what else is having a big year? Teen movies. And they walked into a studio and went, look, we've got an idea. We're going to take what Scary Movie did for horror movies, and we're going to do it for teen movies, because look how much money all of those teen movies made last year, and look how much money Scary Movie made last year. And somebody saw dollar signs and went, have at it, kids. And that's why we got not another teen movie. That's probably what happened. But I'm also uh, uh, the the cynicism of this film has certainly worn off on me. And I want to believe the writer sat down and went, well, fuck, we can do that. This <laughs> isn't mean, hard. I mean, probably. I mean, it's what they were already kind of doing for award show. So it makes yeah. total sense to me. Um, so this movie, we're, we're kicking off the year with it because it is mocking all of the films that we talk about and with the exception of Varsity Blues and Cruel Intentions, we've covered every major movie mm-hmm. that is that is parodied in here. Even some of the smaller ones, like there's a Pleasantville reference in here. Mm-hmm. We covered Pleasantville. So we thought that this would be a fun way to start the year, and fun was the operative word. Comedy is a subjective genre. <laughs> <laughs> so before we dive in too, too deep, this is your friendly reminder that if you love the show and want to support what we do, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com backslash this ends at prom. We've completely changed a lot of our tier offerings. So give us a look over there. See if anything tickles your fancy. We would love to have you. If you are unable to do so at this time because of financial reasons or just because you don't want to pay for podcasts that you get for free, we get it. Um, but it would really help us out if you could leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because it genuinely does help. We made the top 25 most listened to film podcasts like a couple weeks ago. That's super exciting. It was so exciting. You you said that to me from the toilet. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I are you shitting me? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm shitting me. But yes, we did make this list. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really exciting. And we can only do that when people are reviewing because it... it tricks the algorithm into being like, hey, you should listen to this. So thank you for helping us trick the algorithm. We appreciate you. Yeah. So not another teen movie. Synopsis on Fandango is uh, sure a doozy. Okay. A quarterback, Chris Evans, tries to transform a student, Kyler Lee, into a beauty. Is that it? That's it. Cool. That's all we got. That's all she wrote. that's, That's about as much effort as this movie deserves. (laughs) <laughs> that's about as much effort as they put into this movie yeah hey so, hey can, am i being subtle because <laughs> this movie doesn't know subtlety and again i think it wore off on me <laughs> i think so too i definitely have a i definitely have a lot more enjoyment in this movie i do not think it's good i think it's quite bad but i also think that this movie as far as parody movies go they're putting in a lot more effort than I would say, like the disaster movie or epic movies. But I do acknowledge that a half step up from garbage is still trash. Dude, <laughs> so... saying that it's a better movie than disaster movie is not a compliment. Yeah, it's uh... I'm, tr- I'm looking for a silver lining here. We can't both be pissing vinegar. I, I, hey, I, I can say some good things. I just don't feel like it right now. <laughs> All right, so do me a favor, set the stage for me. Let's take me back to 2001. You're 10, I'm 11. I'm watching all of these movies at sleepovers, which means I'm also watching not another teen movie at sleepovers, Mm -hmm. and we're all turning into Leo DiCaprio memes, snapping and pointing at the screen when we recognize something. Mm -hmm. What's going on culturally right now? Well, post-1999, the teen movie bubble really had burst. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the the genre, as is parodied here, really didn't exist like this. You started getting alternatives. So there's not, um, outside of maybe Disney fairs like Princess Diaries, there's not a lot in this sort of wheelhouse going on with the teen genre. Mm-hmm. 
So you're either aiming higher for more college-age kids, and, you know, we're post-9-11, so we're going to get even more of that as the decade goes on, or you're going younger with, like, the Disney crowd. So as far as teen movies for blatant high school teens, it's getting a little bit, uh, a little bit of a desert out there. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that not another teen movie is responsible for killing that section of the genre, because I think it was already on its way out by the time it got here. But this is such a mean-spirited movie. I think two things happen. I think not another teen movie definitely contributed to it, because we have this conversation all the time about how we don't understand why they keep making music biopics in a post-Dewey Cox walk-hard world, mm. because... That movie exposed the formula and did it in a way that was really intelligent. And it's like, yeah, we see what you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. we know how you're writing these, so stop doing them. And then Bohemian Rhapsody came out and won Oscars, so fuck my drag, I guess. Yeah. Um, but not, what, not everything can be Rocket Man. Exactly. Yeah, not everything can be Rocket Man. Not everything can be Motley Crue's The Dirt. <laughs> but what we got here is not another teen movie is not just calling out the conventions of a lot of these teen films, but also pointing out a lot of its more problematic elements because, again, this entire movie is as subtle as a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was also part of it. But more importantly, Columbine happened in 1999. Mm-hmm. And I know we talk about that here and there on the show. We, we bring up Columbine and 9-11 a lot. Because they were such big events that truly shaped the way that we provided media to teenagers. Mm-hmm. After Columbine, one of the big things was violent movies and video games and rap music. And basically... You got to be careful with what you're sending out to teenagers because it might inspire them to shoot up schools. Let's knock the legs out from a lot of teen culture. Exactly. Like, we know that it's all bullshit, but that's what was happening at the time. That was the conversation. So it did kind of kill off a lot of teen-centered comedies and Mm -hmm. a lot of teen-centered movies because people were afraid of, like, sending out the wrong message. Mm -hmm. And that those two things, I think, were just like, okay, we're done. And... Teen movies have not been the same since. No. um, What I think is super interesting about this movie in that way is that teen girl movies have not recovered in the same way that they were prior to the millennium. Mm -hmm. Teen boy movies still existed Mm -hmm. comfortably. Like the college genre did perfectly fine for itself in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. This is not a teen girl movie. No, Not Another Teen Movie is a giant critique of teen girl cinema. And not a very good one. It's more of, um, this feels like a movie made for, like, 13-year-old boys who hate what their sister loves. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that there's something just very crude about that. Not the humor's crude, just that this is, like, a crude instrument. I agree with you, because... I think something that's really frustrating is that when you look at something like Scary Movie, for example, they're critiquing horror movies as as a genre and the formulas that make horror movies. Mm-hmm. This movie is really, really, really critiquing specifically movies that are being marketed towards girls. Yes. And in the few instances that they are mocking something that is, quote unquote, a boy movie – those themes are at the expense of girls. Like the the part where they're crawling through the vents because they want to sneak on the girls and see them naked in the shower mm-hmm. is very Porky's. That is a boy movie. Mm-hmm. But the punchline is that girls shit. Like, yeah. So it's the joke is still at the expense of women. So either they are mocking the things that we like or they're just straight up mocking us. Yeah. Um, We'll get into a little bit more of this, I think, when we talk about characters and scenarios, because we're going to have to go off our normal formula pretty heavily for this, because all the characters are... Because they're not characters. They're caricatures. Yes. They are one note, and they don't exist without the context of what they're parroting. parroting. Yeah. So we'll get into that a little bit more, but I think the most glaringly obvious example is the end of this movie, when Molly Ringwald's there, and Mm -hmm. you have Chris Evans' character quoting all these movies and then him being realistic of being like, you know what? I'll, you know, we're, we're not going to see each other that often. Odds are I'm going to get drunk and sleep with someone and then we're going to get in a big fight and it's just not going to work out well. And she's like, oh, oh my God, like I would be that stupid. Of course we're meant to be together. And that's not exactly what she says, but that's pretty much it where it's like, right. wow, this whole movie is like, wow, aren't girls and the things they like stupid? 
Yeah. And then, of course, Molly Ringwald walks away and says, fucking teenagers. But the, the joke in that is not teenagers. The joke in that is teen girl stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie does the thing that I hate so much, which is a camouflage of bad writing where you acknowledge that it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like um, the scene where the teacher is ranting about how humor is is really childish and stupid these days as an avalanche of poo falls down from the ceiling. Right. And something that I even pointed out to you is that they are taking the the teen movie trope of whatever's going on in the theme of the movie is also mysteriously what they happen to be learning about that day in school. Like, mm-hmm. that is such a trope. I also love that trope because it just makes me laugh every time I see it. I mean, I like it whenever the news happens to be applicable to whatever's happening in the narrative. Right. And that's the same thing. Yeah. I, I, I like it. It's convenient and stupid. Right. But in this instance, they use that as a vehicle to be like, we know that poop jokes are immature, so you can't use it against us. Yeah. It's it's them having this safety net that I don't appreciate because it's, it's like they're trying to be like, you can't critique us. We're critiquing ourselves. I'm like, No. <laughs> Right. No, you, can, you are not bulletproof. You can't call out the fact that it's racist that we have this white guy pretending to be Asian because we acknowledge that it's racist. Yeah. It's like, no, it's still fucking racist. Like, yeah. you can say it for what it is. It's still fucking racist. So so on the topic of... Because actually, before we get into, like, our characters, this is actually a theme that we're talking about right now, and I just want to carry this into a whole conversation. We've talked at length many times about how... Stuff that is targeted towards girls and teen girls is seen as stupid and doesn't have broad appeal to everyone. But anything right. that's for boys is like, oh, it's timeless. It's for everyone. Transformers. Who doesn't love Transformers? Who right. doesn't love Ninja Turtles? Like, we have to fight for Clueless to be seen on the same level as Ferris Bueller. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, on that note, I just want to bring some numbers up for you. Because I stumbled upon these, and it's just worth bringing up. All right, bring them up. So bring them um, out, bring them out. So not another teen movie, not a great film at all. No, it has a whopping twenty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, Ooh. which is twenty percent lower than To Grandmother's House We Go on the <laughs> To Grandmother's House We Go scale. <laughs> it however, deserves to be there. However, I would like to point out that that is sixteen percent higher than something like Jawbreaker. That is horse shit in a handbasket. Correct. If you want to look at Google reviews that exist, this movie has a 4.2 out of 5. Fuck off. No, it does not. It does. Ew. And as we rounded out our first year of the podcast, we did a tier ranking of the best films that we've covered of the first 50 episodes. Mm -hmm. And we put Bring It On both unanimously as the best film we've ever covered. Uh Uh-huh. Bring It On is sitting at 4.4. No. That means... Absolutely not another not. teen movie is 0.2 worse than Bring It On. According to ver- audiences? According to audiences on Google, the Google ratings. We need to set the world on fire. Yes. These like, we should not bring, be allowed to be alive anymore. Bring It On's basically We've, as trashy of a film as not another teen movie, don't you know? Or not another teen movie is almost a cinematic masterpiece. I really am resisting the urge to not bite off my own hand right yes. now so um it's awful and i hate it but here's the thing is if you look at all of the reviews of lots of good movies that we do cover they get blasted by grumpy pissy men here's the thing what are these people doing all day i mean they're bored. because it's the same people that also will review bomb movies like captain marvel or ghostbusters 2016 just because they hate that it even exists. Black Christmas 2019. Right. Bit. Just any any movie that's like, oh, women. Right. But a lot of these movies that we're talking about here, they predate social media. Like, the internet existed, obviously. But they predate social media. So who was just sitting in their apartment, I don't know, probably eating whatever they found in their belly button that day, and going, you know what I need to do? I need to knock Bring It On down a few pegs. That fucking cheerleader movie, I need to go to IMDb and the world needs to know that I hate that it exists because it gives me confusing feelings about ladies and racism. Yeah. It's, it's really a fascinating and horrible thing. But it, it really speaks to how much like men go out of their ways to hate things that, 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 are, that are for women. 
So in this, okay, this is bringing up a really good point. I'm getting a little spice. I'm really sorry how I just kind of like attacked your no, point. No, by just all now. means, attack me. So I, I tweeted about this even from the podcast account because it was making me so angry. But they've been releasing all of the trailers for the new Batman movie, which star Robert Pattinson mm-hmm. as Batman. Mm-hmm. We know that Robert Pattinson is a very good actor. Mm-hmm. He's in a lot of amazing things. Mm-hmm. But every single time there's a new trailer, a new still, a new poster, whatever, there's always a slew of men that are like, still can't take it seriously because it's the Twilight guy. Fucking grow up. Grow up and move on. Like, people will go out of their way to shit on the Twilight movies and to just knock down this, like, teen movie that doesn't even fucking matter in the grand scheme of things. Instead of being like, yeah, you know what? He might do a good job. I really like The Lighthouse. Because they they don't... Just brainworms. Just fucking brainworms. I mean, I think it's really funny that these guys are making such an eloquent point that was over a decade ago made by the scary movie guys in Vampire Suck. Yeah. I've got this. I'm going to show you what's what. And I'm like, dude, I promise you, if your argument is on the same level as the fucking scary movie guys... It's not important. <laughs> yeah, I I want to bring up a tweet that one of our listeners um, that Kara sent us, um, or at least at Kara. I'm I'm not going to give your whole title. I don't know if people want to find you or not. But what Kara said was, "Teen girls are the taste barometer of society. Wildly unintentionally influential." People are so afraid to be seen liking things teen girls do that they ignore movies and entire genres they might enjoy just in case a teen girl may have also enjoyed it. It's wild. Mm-hmm. And that sort of mentality, to me, feels like why Not Another Teen Movie exists in the form that it does. Yeah. Why it is so ruthlessly and relentlessly cruel towards teen girl movies mm-hmm. to the point where, like, some of the criticisms are very fair, and I'm actually on their side with it. Like when we're first introduced to Janie, and she's discussing all of her likes, and her little brother goes, oh, you mean you're a lesbo? And it's like, yes, thank you for acknowledging that Cat in 10 Things I Hate About You is coded as a lesbian, and that's what makes her shrill and unappealing. Thank you for acknowledging that. You get a point from me on that one. Uh-huh. But then they take it... Th- but then they continue to perpetuate the issues I have with that movie by being like, yeah, and it still makes you a piece of shit and unworthy of love because that's the kind of girl you are. And it's yeah. like, cool, that was great, okay, cool. Thought you were going to subvert something there, and you didn't. Yeah. It's also um, kind of the thing that we rally against as a show in general, with which is that teen media is frequently not given any kind of critical analysis. Like, when we watched She's All That and... You and I talked quite positively about how the makeover scene is not about like, hey, you're ugly and we're going to make you pretty. It's like, no, we're going to just kind of make you a better version of you if that's what you want. You're not, it's not new and improved. It's just here you are and you're dressed up and that's it. Right. And the things which that this movie, which this movie does not do. Right. It and takes the vapid, vain version of that because it doesn't want to actually think about what that all implied in the original film. Exactly. Because when we watched She's All That for the first time, I remember you distinctly bringing up the, ew, she has a ponytail and glasses, which is the joke from Not Another Teen Movie. And I was like, no, but I can't wait for you to watch this because the issue of, of Lainey Boggs and She's All That being impossible to turn into a prom queen isn't that she's ugly it's that she's unapproachable and harsh and Mm -hmm. like isolated and that's a hard sell to make somebody the most popular girl in school Mm -hmm. this movie doesn't do that this movie is like oh they took her glasses off and it's like that that's not what she's all that is about no y'all just can't see the forest for the trees no and comedy works in threes but God, it's like 15 times that they bring they just, up ponytail and they glasses. They badger that. God. Oh, don't forget the pink over and overalls. Oh my God. It's just incessant. It's like, you're my family now, but it's just, it's too much. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot. So let's talk about the things that we really didn't like first. So that way we can end on something that's positive. Give me something that you really don't like about this movie. And I know there's plenty to choose from. That it's not funny. (laughs) Did anything make you laugh? 
No. <laughs> the biggest pop that I got out of this movie was when H. John Benjamin showed up. And it, was it just because, holy shit, that's H. John Benjamin? Like, that that was literally it. Like, he doesn't do anything. He is essentially a background character, but it's like, oh, look, it's H. John Benjamin. It's yeah, Coach he's, McGurk. He's just here. It's Bob. <laughs> it's Archer, I guess. I don't watch that show. It's He's Assy McGee, too, yeah? He's a million things. Yeah, he does a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I just was excited to see a young version of him and him still sound like that, and that was tight. But, oh, I don't know. Like... Comedy is the most subjective genre in the world. I I perpetually talk about how one of my favorite movies as a, as a youngin was Kung Pao Enter the Fist. And it is one of the dumbest movies ever made. But God damn it, if I don't have a lot of affection for it. So who am I to judge somebody for enjoying this film if that makes them laugh? All I can say is that I don't laugh at it. And having like further context of it of all of the scenes it's it almost feels like they're just plagiarizing scenes rather than actually making parodies of them mm-hmm. um like it's not fair to equate this to like more classic parody films like airplanes obviously the easiest one you can draw or naked gun films mm-hmm. which are like they're, they're farcical they're completely over the top it's something like hot shots yeah yeah i feel like those movies tried harder to actually be a movie which is whereas this movie feels like a compilation of really unfunny college humor sketches austin she's an illusion okay you take away the makeup the clothes the way she wears her hair smell of her perfume the cute little face she makes when she's tonguing my balls look she's totally replaceable okay given the right look the right boyfriend. Any girl can be this year's prom queen. Well, I smell bad. <laughs> okay, Jakey Jakey, about to make a big mistakey. <laughs> Here's the wager. I'm gonna pick the most hopeless girl at this school, and I'm gonna bet that you can't turn her into prom queen. You're on. And I'll bet you that you lose that bet. But in doing so, you learn a much more valuable lesson and win. In life, that is. Huh. You're both on. This movie feels like a lot of vignettes put together. It doesn't feel like it has a cohesive story. No. And the the cohesive story that sort of exists is basically just a retelling of She's All That. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what we're getting. But because there are so many of these like big pieces that are just recreations and parodies of very iconic scenes the movie does feel kind of like a jumbled mess. It doesn't feel like a cohesive story. No. Oh, okay. So there's the breakfast club scene where the principal is doling out detentions. And it's like word for word, the original scene with like a couple extra things thrown in. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Like they did nothing with it. They even got this guy to come back like 15 years later. And that's it. Like, they didn't even try. They didn't do anything. The, yeah. Like, the the joke is like, look, they got the actor back, and now he says ho. Yeah. A lot of the jokes in this movie don't feel like thoughtful parody. They feel like member berries. Yeah. For those that don't know, member berries are a running gag on South Park where their entire purpose is basically like, hey, hey, remember Ghostbusters? Hey, remember, remember, remember Jurassic Park? Remember that? It's, it's remember? That- it's that Chris Farley interview segment joke from a million years ago that's like, Hey, Paul McCartney, do you remember when you when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> that was cool. It's a combination of that or just like the like the family guy joke of like, ha ha ha, there are rivals. God. See, okay, but like let's let's actually let's let's dissect that family guy thing because that's a very good comparison because okay. Family Guy was coming out had came out around this time. So those don't know what that joke is. There's a like an assembly that happens at the kids' school where it's like a like don't have sex or don't smoke. One of those types of assemblies, mm-hmm. and the people incorporate like not like those jokers over at that school to try to relate to the kids. Mm-hmm. And there's one kid in the audience who's like, ha ha ha, that's relevant to my interests. Ha ha ha, there are rivals, and like pointing out like how these uh, these types of assemblies manipulate the people that they're talking to by mm-hmm. like sprinkling in those hey remember this the, those cheap pops yes the cheap pops yes so but speaking of family guy i actually want to want to kind of dissect that a little bit more because family guy 
for at least in their earlier years, not probably so much these days, but hell if I know, I'm not watching it, was really good that even if you didn't understand what the cutaway joke was specifically a reference to or a parody of, they still actually wrote humor into it. And as much as I want to see like, oh, well, Family Guy isn't funny, sometimes I just sit there and I think of a bit and go, damn it. It's been like 15 years. I still remember that. It's still funny and it's really frustrating. Waka waka, you want to hear a funny ass joke? The wrong sounding Muppets is still funny. Ringo Starr writing songs that go, oh, that's right, Ringo. We'll put it right here on the refrigerator. Like, there are still fucking funny jokes in that show. Yeah. (laughs) And I actually want to talk about that for a second because obviously this is a parody. Not a good one, but it's still in the genre. I think that a parody should be well-written enough that it's enhanced if you understand the source material, but it stands on its own. I agree completely, which is why I love Silence of the Lambs the musical so much. It is the best-written parody musical because it exists completely on its own, but if you know Silence of the Lambs, all of those jokes hit five times harder. Yes, exactly, and that's my preferred way to enjoy Silence of the Lambs, by far. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, taking that idea, how does this movie stack up? If you understand the source material, this isn't for you. If you're aware of what the source material is without really putting a lot of deep thought into it, all you kind of get out of is, ha, that's right, dumb girl. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, you're not enhanced by understanding what it's being a parody of. So what's the point other than to just be mean-spirited? I think that's an excellent point. And I also think that the reason this movie did so well and why there are still people that love this movie, I will, I, I will fully admit, uh, one of my coworkers over at Slash Film featured this movie last year when they were doing the quarantine stream of like what people that work at Slash Film have been watching in quarantine to keep themselves sane. Mm-hmm. And one of my fellow writers wrote about this movie. And in one of the things that they described it as, they said... It is a mostly satisfying, raunchy parody in the spirit of movies like The Naked Gunner Young Frankenstein, where the genre itself was spoofed with great love rather than merely being an excuse to make lazy pop culture references that would be dated within the few years. Yes. If you are somebody who does not actually dissect teen media the way that like this show does, where we really rip it apart... I absolutely see why people would feel that way about this movie. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is we live in a world where we don't analyze these movies. We don't actually break them apart and talk about why they work. We don't talk about the nuances that exist and how they relate to culture. These are conversations that don't happen. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, it does feel like these are really, really easy movies and tropes to make fun of. Like, one of the, the better jokes in here is Randy Quaid. Mm-hmm. Not him with the pies. That's that's a joke that goes on for way too long. It's clearly like the American pie fucking a pie thing, and he's just going way hard into it. He does it during the post credits. Yes, it goes on forever. The good joke that is in there is that he is the war vet dad who doesn't have a job and is an alcoholic because that is such a trope in a lot of teen movies. Mm-hmm. But when that just exists on its own and isn't like analyzed, like, okay, like, why is that there? Why is that a trope that exists? We're just making fun of somebody with a fucking problem. Like, Harry Dean Stanton in Pretty in Pink is that character, Mm -hmm. but he's like very tragic and it's fucking sad. And it is the the reason that that Andy is the way that she is throughout the entire movie and why she deals with the shit she's got to deal with. And it feels like making just a, a... drunk idiot dad joke is like a fundamental misunderstanding of like why that character is there. Does yeah. that make sense? No, absolutely. Like, and in some of the, the the jokes, it does work. Like the girl who is the Shannon Elizabeth character from American Pie and she's just walking around naked all the time. For, in my opinion, that's a very good joke. That's a very good like exaggerated spoof of that character. Especially because the subtitles go around her tits. So they're not obstructing your view of the objectification. Yes. That's funny. Like that is a a pretty okay joke. I appreciate it. I didn't laugh. Like we quote this all the time. Like the meatwad reference from Aqua Teen Hunger Force of like, I get it. I'm not laughing, but I get it. (laughs) Right. And like that, like to me, I'm like, that's a really good subversion of 
like the way that we objectify teenagers in these movies, especially exotic teenagers that are foreign exchange mm-hmm. students. Like that's a good joke. But also that that care and that love and that understanding isn't applied like equally across the board. Well, maybe it's because she's a parody of a character from American Pie, which is a boy movie, which means that they actually understand that better. That's a really fucking good point. That is a really, really, really good point. I never thought I'd hear myself say this, but for once, I wish I could meet a nice, sensitive guy who wanted more than just sex. That is very admirable. For once, I wish a guy would take me out for dinner. I feel the same way. And for once, I wish a guy would take a dump on my chest. That is appalling. That really upsets me. I can't believe nobody's ever taken a dump on your chest. Like, and there's, and what's frustrating to me is that the things that I like about this movie that I think are good, I think are extremely good. Like, there are so many subtle things that are snuck in, like the Anthony Michael Dining Hall, that's really funny. Mm-hmm. Harry Dean Stadium, that's really funny. Mm-hmm. I love the visual gag when we first meet Jake and he looks at his, like, class president picture only to go across the hall and it's a picture of him looking at his picture. That works for me on such a level. There's a couple other like just random one-liners that really get me. That they are the John Hughes school and their mascot is the wasps. That shit's super funny. Like I, mean, I didn't laugh at it. I, again, I appreciate it. Right. So In like, a better movie, that probably would have gotten me. Yeah. So like the, there are these things that really, really work wrapped around things that don't work. Mm-hmm. And some of the characters I feel are are better parodies than others mm-hmm. um so kyler lee's janie briggs is fine she kind of fulfills that like shell of a human being role that teen girls can implant themselves into what would become bella swan mm-hmm. she kind of plays that um i don't like the way that they have her consistently cry and run away like very dramatic mm-hmm. I know that that's supposed to be making fun of the fact that Lainey does run away crying one time and then they're turning it into a bit. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Huh, girls cry. They're emotional. That's why I don't think it's funny. Mm. Because when Lainey does cry and run away, it's because she's genuinely been humiliated. Mm-hmm. And what's frustrating is that the gag in this movie does make me laugh because it's pouring a water bottle on her after she got out of a pool so she's already wet. So nothing's actually happening to the dress. Mm-hmm. That's a fun visual gag. I like it. But having this over-dramatized freak out cry run, I, I don't like it. It doesn't work for me. Where she leaves and like comes back and runs around the pool in the opposite direction. So it just goes on longer than it needs to. Yeah. So I think Jamie Presley as Priscilla is quite good. She's supposed to clearly be Taylor Vaughn from She's All That. Kind of mixed with like Big Red from, from Bring It On. But... She also presents in a way that's very Regina George, but Regina George doesn't exist yet. Yes. So I find that to be really interesting and fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Love that. Uh, Mia Kirshner as Catherine Weiler, who is supposed to be the sister that is based on Sarah Michelle Gellar in Cruel Intentions, A+. I will take your word for it as someone who has not seen this movie. She... Of anyone, she's she's the one who fully understood the assignment, mm-hmm. and she brings so much fun and nuance, and she's great. Like, she is doing exactly what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. But we got to talk about our boy. Chris Evans? we got to talk about Captain America. Okay. So it's Chris his, Evans. This is, this is his first film. Very first feature film role. And Chris Evans really highlights... The only good things about this movie, which is that the material's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad material, but these actors are doing so much. They are, they are putting in the work. They are working up a sweat and exercising the demons of this fucking film. And Chris Evans, he's the jock. He is leading that charge. 
Chris Evans is so funny in this movie. He's 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 doing such a good job. I still don't think his material's good, but he's trying so hard that like I respect his effort. Exactly. Like what he's been given is not great. What he does with it is why I think this movie is successful. Uh-huh. Because he he does get it. And I think people forget that Chris Evans has this incredible range, which is why I think people freaked out when they were like, oh my God, he was so good at Knives Out. And it's like, yeah, he's funny. Mm -hmm. He's a funny dude. Like people, like like, they short circuit in their brain where they can't accept that there are some actors who are ridiculously hot and he is shredded to shit and back in this movie. Mm. And he is hilarious. He really goes for it with the physical comedy. He plays with his voice a lot. His facial acting is just, ah, oh, chef's kiss. He's fantastic in He's this movie. all American facial acting. Oh, and those sideburns. Oh, those very era-appropriate sideburns. Mm-hmm. And they've also dyed his hair darker so he looks more like Freddie Prince Jr. Mm-hmm. Like, they really did find the all-American boy to play this. I mean, he's fucking Captain America. He's America's ass. If if you had anybody who was less commanding, this movie would fall apart. Absolutely. And it's it's barely being held together as is. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's so so frustrating is that all of the people in this movie, I quite like them in the other stuff they do. This movie has a really good cast. They're super talented and they're all working their ass off. Just the material they were given is weak and it's not their fault. Yeah, it's it's extremely frustrating. And here's the thing. Okay, Janie Briggs is technically our main character, but she's not. No, Chris, no, Chris Evans, Evans is, is the main character. is the star character. of this movie. Not in terms of just like standing out because he does, but also this movie's told from his perspective far mm-hmm. more than hers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it absolutely is. And that's also where it gets frustrating because they're picking fun at teen girl movies and they're not even allowing teen girls to be the, like, the, the center of the tale. No. It's like you're... You gotta you're, get those boys in the theater because that's who you want to sell these tickets to. Exa- but that's who they're targeting for this. This mm-hmm. movie was not targeted for teen girls. No. It's this movie is really it's it's prime target is like 13-year-old boys despite it being a rated R comedy. Yeah. I I saw this really really young. I don't remember like obviously I didn't think that hard about it because I was a child. Mm-hmm. But I I I don't know how I would have reacted if I would have been a teenager and like felt the way about these movies that I do and somebody wanted to take me to see this in a theater. Oh, like on a date? Yeah, I think I would have had like a miserable time. I think I would have oh, been so... You, it probably would have been a boy who probably would have thought it was the funniest thing ever. Yeah, of course. Uh. And it would have made me just feel like shit. It's like, oh, this is what you think of me and the mm-hmm. things that I like. This. This movie. Yeah, basically. <clears throat> this makes me kind of happy and tense. Yeah. That make me kind of sad and tense. Okay, we've been doing this show for a while. So we've covered things that this movie references, obviously. There are characters like the ducky type character wanting to make little Janie hairballs. Mm -hmm. And he's just so pathetic, which we defended ducky when we covered that movie. But... I associate that character with this character first because it was my first exposure. Mm-hmm. And that's that's sort of true for a lot of these movies. And it makes me appreciate the source material so much more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we sort of touched on it a little bit when we did our She's All That episode where the the opinion that you had on, on Lainey was based on what you saw portrayed with Janie Mm -hmm. in this movie. Um, So now that you have seen almost all of the films that we're parodying, how does that make you, like, do do you think you're more critical of this movie now? Or do you think that it's just made it not land? I I don't know how else to ask this question. That's a great question. Um, I mean, odds are it probably wouldn't land anyway because I'm not 14 anymore. (laughs) Yeah. But I do sort of think that this is a perfect teen parody in that it's not designed to age well. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to take this movie and show it to, I don't know, a, a teenager now, 
take someone who's 14 years old now and show them this movie, what appeal is there? I don't think that 14-year-olds today would like it because they would think that it's too mean-spirited and offensive. Yes, and they don't understand what it's parroting, and it. There's, I cannot imagine this stands on its own. No. Because I had at least passive understanding through just, like, the osmosis of the culture of knowing what this was referencing and right. understanding, like, at least the tropes that it was making fun of. And a lot of these tropes don't exist anymore. So despite this, like, having other movies like Pretty in Pink or Grease or these other older films sprinkled in, this is wholly a 1999 parody film. Mm-hmm. And it is not really meant to age past, like, the next year after it came out. No, not at all. And what's also funny is how many people critique this movie or analyze it or there, there's so many lists that pop up every couple of years usually when there's like an anniversary for this film mm-hmm. where it'll be like all of the references and not another teen movie mm-hmm. and you can tell that they're written by people that don't actually know the material because a lot of times they'll get things wrong yeah like for example uh sandy sue the girl who auditions for the cheerleading squad and has tourette's yes um her joke in that was in all the trailers because we're in 2001 this is again Tourette's guy, the internet's a thing, early meme culture is Mm -hmm. all super fucking offensive. Put a pin in that, we're coming back. Okay. Um, But people all the time will be like, oh, she's a parody of Grease because she's like a goody-goody. And it's like, no, she's a parody of Pleasantville. Mm -hmm. She's a parody of Reese Witherspoon's character in Pleasantville. And the reason she has Tourette's is because, haha, isn't that so funny, juxtaposition of 1950s now she's being like foul-mouthed mm-hmm. when really like wow we should not be making fun of people with Tourette's they really cannot help it and it's super difficult when one of their tics is saying what we would view as like offensive language mm-hmm. like it's not funny um so people get shit wrong all the time because again it all comes back to this this conversation that we have on the show all the time that people don't actually care about these movies. They don't actually want to have any sort of critical conversation about them or their cultural impact. Mm-hmm. So this is a parody where the people are fundamentally misunderstanding the source material. Yes, but it's kind of perfect in that sense. Because that's exactly how people feel about teen movies. Yeah. So this is like weirdly nailing it. This is this is a fascinating character study of how we treat teen girl cinema. Yes. So, so I want I want to put a pin in Tourette's guy and like the internet and come back to that. But speaking of the Tourette's that's represented in this movie, as well as a number of other things, I'll say that this movie surprised me in how it was not nearly as offensive as I thought it would be. Yes, I agree completely. I was expecting there to be way more like f bomb slurs, uh, N- like no homophobia. Th- there's like no homophobia. Plenty of racism. There, you know, we, yeah. The, y- yes. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, they acknowledge it as a parody, but it, you know, still, still racist. It's still racist. I still get very dog eared when the cheerleaders are doing the the scene of the white squad stealing cheers from the black squad. Like the joke is like, we ain't white, we ain't white, we surely ain't white. That's where the joke needs to stop. That's. Uh, that's I don't know why they decided to follow it up with the N-word. Like you because, the point was made. <laughs> because this movie likes to kill jokes. It, like, <laughs> it's so infuriating. I was like, no, the point was already made. You did not need to go there. Ah! But, and, oh my god, isn't that so outrageous? Well, same thing with the with with the Asian the white kid that's an Asian character who is dressed that way because he's trying to emulate the karate kid. But he's communicating in a way where he's supposed to be Long Duck Dong. And it's super offensive because it's a white person. And they keep acknowledging it. He gets his ass beat mm-hmm. like by other Asian kids. But not before he says the the C slur for Asian people. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no. Like, mm-hmm. you could have made this point without doing that. But again, I it's 2001. And like, that's edgelord humor is a coming. It's a coming for us. Uh-huh. Exactly. But... I think the one that surprised me the most is I was expecting the R word way more than we got it. It's once. Yeah. And what's, I was expecting at least double digits. Well, one, it's only one time. Yeah. And it comes from Mr. T, which is a thing. Um, But like, he's almost trying to use it in a clinical way. Mm-hmm. And they're describing a, a kid who's used as a parody of Rudy to the nth degree. So it's mm-hmm. obviously offensive. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's like, woo, that's the only use of that word. They don't they don't call people it. They don't yell it at each other. It's, ah. 
So yeah. Wow. In certain aspects that are very common during this era, this movie has aged better than a lot of its contemporaries. Yeah, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> I don't know. It's very weird. But all right, let's come to the internet and let's talk oh, about no. Edgelords. I'm taking up the pin and I'm very nervous. We are in a blossoming early 2000s internet age. And I believe we've talked about this before. Maybe we've just talked about it in our spare time. But this is where you have this movie influencing a lot of edgy, like, 14-year-old boys who make jokes on forums, on Mm -hmm. certain websites like 4chan. Mm -hmm. You know, that, you know, the equivalent nowadays would also be Reddit to some degree. E-bombs world. But you have E-bombs world. Mm -hmm. You have new grounds. Mm -hmm. You have... The tastes and the humor of the internet being molded by an echo chamber of, like, 13-year-old boys. Mm-hmm. And they all want to be the most outrageous. And they all want to be, like, the most violent and say the most vulgar things. And that is that, that's the culture that is evolving at the same time that this is coming out. Yeah, it really is. It really, really is. Because... Like, as much as I want to sit there and be like, it's super immature that they have the the toilet that's basically launching shit, mm-hmm. and the punchline is, ew, girls also poop. We're also starting to get things like people rickrolling each other with tub girl photos mm-hmm. around this era oh, you of get the internet. Me- you get meat spin, you get lemon party. You get blue waffle, you get goatsy. Two girls, one cup. It's a little bit a little line, bit later, but, but yeah, like just same same practice. All of these horrifying things, like the Pain Olympics. Yeah. I, sorry to anyone that we're triggering just by getting mental images like rapid fire burned into your brain that you hopefully blocked out. And if you don't know what any of these are, don't fucking Google them. Yeah. Please don't. Yeah. So <laughs> these are all things that are becoming very popular on the internet. Yeah. Around this time, or very very shortly after. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. You're right. So. Something that you see very common on that brand of internet, particularly on something like Newgrounds, is the parody. And it's this brand. So I can't say whether like this is specifically responsible for it, but it certainly is like a harbinger of things to come. Yeah. The second you talked about how like parody is like one of the most popular things or whatever... The first thing that popped into my mind is one of the very, very first viral videos that, like, my friends would send to each other nonstop is Papa Smurf, Can I Lick Your Ass? Mm. What? (laughs) It is a gross, gross out, like, Smurf song where Smurfette is singing to Papa Smurf, and she's like, Papa Smurf, can I lick your ass? And he goes, yeah, lick that ass, bitch. Like, it's so dumb. Like, it's the dumbest thing. But, like, we had never seen anything like this before. It was like, ha, 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 beloved character that we've known since childhood swearing mm-hmm. and talking about licking ass. Yeah. This is the peak of comedy. Yeah. Or, you know, like, fucking rem- remember when Chuck Norris jokes were all the rage? Oh, my God, yeah. They, Remem- they put those on shirts at Walmart. Yeah. Remember uh, the ultimate showdown? We're turning into member berries. Okay, but for real, though. Like, this is important <laughs> in referencing that, like, Pop culture at the time was like, hey, look at this thing. We're bringing it back. Yeah. Like yeah. like the Mr. T fucking cartoon show beams. Or yeah, just like yeah. the, the thing was just taking something and recontextualizing it in totally random and often vulgar sense. It's why Robot Chicken exists. God, but doesn't it ever. The difference being Robot Chicken is smart with its parody. It's very smart with its parody. It is. But yeah, no, this, this is definitely where we are in... You know, as the movies went forward when we had, like, epic movie and date movie and all of those movie movies coming forward, this was a thing. Like, this was a part of culture. Yeah, definitely. Hi, I'm Sandy Sue, and I just want to say that it is simply swell to meet all of you. (laughs) Peachy, I assume you brought a routine? Oh, you betcha. Give me an H. Give me a U. Give me a giant pussy-looking-ass fucker-cock shit! I'm sorry. Um, that was my Tourette's. I don't know about her. Okay. Let's get one thing straight. This is not a chirocracy. 
I am the cheer tater. I make the cheer decisions around here, and I will deal with the cheer consequences. Now, if there are no more cheer eruptions, we can cheer ten you. So we talked about the things that you did not like, did not work for you. What does work for you? I mean, I like our, I like the actors. Okay. I don't think anyone's really doing a bad job. Everyone's doing exactly what they're asked of. Mm-hmm. And I think with better material, this would be a very good movie. I, I agree. I think that if this were written by people who really, truly understand the genre on more than just a superficial level, mm-hmm. that this would have been a successful film. Yeah. Like you had the set pieces. You had the talent. It's just like shit rolls downhill. And and something that I wanted to piggyback off of from that article is, you know, they, they mentioned something like Airplane or Young Frankenstein. And the thing is, like, you can understand Airplane and Young Frankenstein and appreciate them even today, mm-hmm. even if you don't have any of the source material. Yeah. And not another teen movie. I, I just, I don't think that it hits without that knowledge. Mm-hmm. So there is another parody movie that comes out this year. Mm-hmm. That is parroting things that girls like. Okay. But does so in a way that is much better. Uh-huh. Calling it a parody is incorrect. It's a satire. It's not a parody. It's a satire. Okay. And that's Josie and the Pussycats. Sure. Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont, who made Josie and the Pussycats, also made Can't Hardly Wait, a movie that is parodied by this movie. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it is that something like Josie and the Pussycats is so much better at satirizing teen girl pop culture than not another teen movie. Probably because it actually feels reflective of teen culture because it's bringing up things like TRL, which was relevant at the time. It's bringing up a lot of like specific technologies of the time. This movie almost feels passe by the time it's coming out because everything it's referencing at that point even was two years old. Yeah. And this is now like the 90s version of a teen movie. Which is the 90s. We're in the 2000s now. This feels outdated by time of release. And it's also parroting so heavily John Hughes movies, which are 80s movies. Mm -hmm. So we're even further removed from that. And obviously, John Hughes movies... Like that—that that is the timeline of teen girl. Like that is the before Christ of teen girl movies, basically before John Hughes and after John Hughes. Yeah, and and here's here's a hot take. Maybe maybe not a hot take. A, a warm take. This is a a room temperature take. Great. <laughs> the stuff that they're parroting that's based on John Hughes movies and John Hughes isms feel like the jokes they make that are with the most love and attention. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because those are the teen movies that these writers grew up on. And the ones that they seem to fundamentally not understand are the 90s teen movies, which are ones that they have just seen, mm-hmm. but they did not grow up with. They do not have nostalgia attachment. It does not resonate or relate to them. They, they don't respect, can't hardly wait, the way that they respect Pretty in Pink or something. Yeah. The Breakfast Club. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I think I think that's what's going on here because a lot Back of in my day they were better. Well, a lot of the jokes that they have about the eighty that are set up by the eighties movies, those are the ones that feel the less like disrespectful, mm-hmm. with the exception of Randy Quaid's character. That yeah. one I think is just a miss across the board. Um, but when it comes to anything that's making fun of like the Molly Ringwald movies or the Ferris Bueller movies, Jake's dad in this is the dad from Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. Like that's a nice little cameo. Um, but they, they don't, it seems like they don't understand the material that they're making fun of. And I think it's because they're of a generation that looks down upon it the same way that all generations look down on the media that is made for the next generation of Mm -hmm. teens of like, oh yeah, we have classics. We have John Hughes. We have classics. What do you have? 10 things I hate about you. Bad example. You I mean, hate that Yeah, movie. I mean, that's how she's I all that. Okay, it. so but like, you have She's All That. Mm-hmm. Bleh, that movie sucks. We have Pretty in Pink. That's real teen cinema. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a little bit of the attitude that's brought here. Probably, and that's probably why they give Molly Ringwald her flowers at the end of this movie, by having her be smarter than anyone else in the film. I think that's a very, very astute observation there, Harmony. Well... Like, I was so... Okay, that that got the biggest pop out of me other than H. John Benjamin is seeing Molly. 
Well, seeing Molly anytime is great. She, I popped real hard when she turned out to be Archie's mom on Riverdale. I was yeah. like, oh, what great casting. I just, <laughs> Molly Ringwald also just like, she just seems like a really cool lady, big fan. But I love that she is such a, the way she's written in this is she is a student of the teen film and understands it and calls Jake out on his bullshit. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Because she's been there. She's lived that. She understands teen films. But also, that's saying, hey, the girls from our teen movies growing up are smarter than yours. Yeah. Janie, you're an idiot. Yeah. Because you're a dumb teen. Well, and what's also frustrating about that, and this is, again, conversation we had on our She's All That episode, but that character, like, Lainey, Lainey's smart. She's very smart, actually. And also... Uh, Zach Seiler is not a piece of shit in that movie. Like, he makes a mistake with the bet, but he isn't this, like, jockey stereotype in that movie. That's, like, a thing people forget. Mm -hmm. He's not a football player. He's on the fucking soccer team Mm -hmm. in America. Like, (laughs) it's not the same culturally, and to to act like it is is silly. It's not. But you can't have Janie be smarter than Jake. Yeah. You can't because that doesn't work for comedy. Like, there's no way they would have written that, even though it could have worked, but they weren't going to have that. You know what joke does work for me, though? Hmm. The 10 Things I Hate About You parody where he sings Janie's Got a Gun and then security tackles her. I think it's okay. That joke gets me pretty good because he he gets set up. His sister's like, sing a song with her name in it. You don't have to do that. The, the original movie didn't do that. No, he did not. He sang Frankie Valley. There, he didn't sing a song about cat. No, he didn't sing Cat Scratch Fever. He didn't sing What's New Pussycat. He didn't cat. sing What's New Pussycat. <laughs> like it, th- that part doesn't even really work. <laughs> like they're shoehorning a thing as if it's a trope, and it really wasn't a thing. Right, and also like, is, is, are we referencing Can't Hardly Wait? Is it is it the Mandy thing? I don't get it. Maybe that, I might be. I may. Be, I might be doing some legwork for this movie, trying to make excuses. I for think it. so too, because I'm sitting here thinking. I'm like, yeah, say anything. No, her name's not in it. Like, a lot of these are not. The, there's like a handful that are. Like in Ferris Bueller, it's a name, uh, but she lies and she says her name is Shauna, and then Shauna plays in the background, but mm-hmm. he doesn't play it for her. Yeah. Um. So yeah, again, they're inventing tropes that aren't a thing because it's like, no, you don't actually understand this, and like, mm-hmm. I know that you just wanted to make the Janie Briggs got a gun joke. I get it. I don't like this joke anymore. I thought I did, and now you made me not like it. <laughs> I'm sorry that I... I thought, what is it? Like, the, the I thing of, like, dissecting a frog is, like, dissecting a joke. Yeah, because now it's <laughs> gross, and I see all the guts, and... It, it died. It died. I don't like it anymore. I'm, I'm sorry to spoil the... I'm sorry that the fucking fun police has come in. <laughs> the, the president of the No Fun Club making their grand entrance. Yeah. So I feel like we've given more time to this movie than anyone else in history. Uh, so <laughs> I'm sure that there is a four-hour YouTube video deconstructing this film someone has done. And I bet it's somebody being like, uh, actually, this movie is really good and like very underrated and brilliant. I mean, I'm, if nothing else, they're kinder than we are. <laughs> I don't know the answer to this, but I got to ask you anyway. Hey, Harmony, <laughs> not another teen movie, uh, is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, or maybe? And are you writing anything on the card back? It's it's it it's it's no. <laughs> Hard no. I think thirty seconds into this episode, including the intro theme song, <laughs> I may have already given away that I was not gonna let this get a pass. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know, man. I I don't really see a reason to revisit this film other than a pure cultural curiosity which is not really the reason to watch a movie. Um, I remember we talked to a, a, a friend of ours, uh, William Bibiani, and he said that he loves the Vince Vaughn version of Psycho because it's a fascinating exploration and whether or not you could make a film shot for shot and have people accept that. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a case for every bad movie to have a read like that in a, like an academic sense. Okay. But that doesn't make it an enjoyable film. (laughs) And yet we have a long road over the next decade of films like this coming out. And good news, we don't have to talk about any of them. We don't. And they're all going to get worse. Yeah. Outside of scary movies one and two. And yeah, just those two, I think. I think that this is the 
best of the movie movies. Mm -hmm. So take that for what it's worth, I guess. It's it sure is something. It's something. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, friends, I think that uh, definitely takes us out on not another teen movie. (laughs) You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at this ends up prom. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BJ Colangelo. I am also on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. As always, huge thank you to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use their track title as our theme song. Harmony, what cool indie band do you want people to check out first of the new year? Uh, it's an album called Welcome to the Future Season 1. That's a great name. <laughs> yes, and I figure it's a it's a good thing for the first episode of the year. It's by a singer or songwriter or person named Baby Fuzz, and it's also very appropriate for this episode because it is a wildly cynical album. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I, I, If I remember correctly, I described this to you as I was playing them, that every single one of these songs feels anthemic and like, hey, we made it. We've, we've come this far. We got to the new year. But God, it sucks here. <laughs> That's a great way to describe the, the watching experience of this movie. Yeah, so I figured this would be an appropriate plug. Uh, the, the 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 obvious song on here is "We're All Going to Die" as like the standout track. It's pretty great, but honestly, there's only seven songs. I'm a big fan of "Before Our Time" and "Welcome to the Future" as well. Wonderful. All right, friends, we did it. We got through it. Yeah, I. <laughs> I'm honestly shocked we broke an hour with this one. I was like, when it was like, oh, crap, we're going to have to askew our normal format because these characters are barely characters. God, can we even talk about this for an hour? And we did. What if this episode was just an hour of us just replaying the critic? It stinks. It stinks over and over again. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Love you all. Save the last dance for us. Bye. Cool. See you next week. Bye. Get to work with me on this. You don't mess with that, but I did it. All right, I'm, you know you guys take the fun out of living. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.